My friends at Sleep Number have introduced the most amazing bed ever. It's the new Sleep Number 360 Smart Bed, designed to keep each of you so comfortable for your best possible sleep. And like all their beds, Sleep Number 360 Smart Beds lets you choose your ideal firmness and support on each side of the bed. And now with new responsive air technology, this bed senses your every move and automatically adjusts to you so you stay sleeping comfortably throughout the night. And did you know Sleep Number beds cost about the same as a traditional mattress, last twice as long, and best of all, 91% of the owners recommend. My Sleep Number setting is 90. My Sleep IQ score last night was 82. It's time you met the bed that does it all only at a Sleep Number store. Come in now and enjoy introductory savings of $200 to $400 on the Sleep Number 360 Smart Bed. There are more than 550 Sleep Number stores nationwide. Call 1-800-390-9100 or visit sleepnumber.com and be sure to tell them George Norrie sent you. Now here's a highlight from Coast to Coast AM on iHeartRadio. And welcome back to Coast to Coast. Lynn McTaggart with us for the next couple hours, one of the central voices in the new consciousness movement. She is the author of several books, including The Field and The Intention Experiment and the new one, The Power of Eight. Lynn is the editorial director of What's Doctors Don't Tell You, and she is also the architect of the intention experiments that we've talked about on this program quite a bit. She's a member of both the Transformational Leadership Council, launched by Jack Canfield, and the Evolutionary Leaders, launched by Deepak Chopra, Lynn McTaggart, back on Coast to Coast. Lynn, what a great time to have you on. Welcome back. No, thanks, George. It's great to be back with you. Great work, too, by the way. And we're going to get into the title, which I think is very important to all this. But, man, isn't this world gone nuts lately? Oh, my goodness. I, you know, it's just shocking to see what's going on everywhere in the world. And, of course, I'm over here in the U.K., and we're having the same kinds of weird breakdowns in every way. So, yeah, it's, I mean, it's it's been... Uh, a feeling of mine, a growing feeling, that we have to do some things ourselves, basically. Lynn, is there concerns in London over what's happening here at the United States in terms of all this, uh, what appears to be chaos? Oh, there's concern about the political situation. There's concern about the environmental situation and all of the, you know, the giant hurricanes, the floods, all of the things going on. And, you know, the political gridlock and the anger and the polarization, absolutely. And there's, there's sympathy for the people. Yeah, there's no, no question. Now, you wrote that book, The Intention Experiment. It inspired, I think, millions of people all around the planet in worldwide healing projects. Tell me the results and how you got into that. And then we're going to talk about the power of eight, that interesting title for your new work. Well... It really, I started it essentially, George, as a skeptic. You know, I have a background as an investigative reporter. That's where I came from. Right. I mean, I started out life doing busting baby selling rings. You know, that was, those were my first types of jobs. And so when I got into writing about medicine and then got writing it about consciousness and why things like spiritual healing might work, um, there was a lot of information from scientists that thoughts are a thing that can affect other things. And also, this was the time of a lot of stuff about the law of attraction and the secret. But the investigative reporter in me said, well, okay, 
well, what can you do with this? You know, if thoughts are so powerful, why are we using this to manifest a parking space? You know, why don't we use this to start healing things, you know, big things in the world, like can we cure cancer with our thoughts? Um, Can we stop wars with our thoughts? And I also wondered whether or not having a lot of people thinking the same thought at the same time would magnify that effect. So I thought, okay, I'm going to put this to the test. I'm going to create the biggest experiment in the world. And I knew I had a a lot of contacts with many prestigious scientists Mm -hmm. in consciousness research. And I also had a lot of readers because the, the field was in 30 languages. So I thought, well, if I just put them together and have them come on my website every so often and do this kind of thought experiment of the biggest global laboratory in the world. So that's what I've done since 2007. We've run about 30 of them so far. Everything from, you know, very subtle effects on a leaf to trying to make plants grow faster, to making, changing and purifying water, making, changing the pH and other things, to lowering violence and peace, uh, creating peace in war-torn areas, and finally to trying to heal somebody with PTSD. And of those 30 experiments, George, 26 have demonstrated positive, mostly significant effects. Now, to put that in perspective, there's no prescription there's no prescription drug out there that, that that has that kind of track record. No, no. And this is beyond astronomical odds. Oh, absolutely. I mean, there's gazillion to one odds that this could be just chance. Just So when you started doing these intention experiments, did they surprise you? Did the results surprise you? Oh, yeah. I mean, I was probably less convinced it was going to work than my editor did. (laughs) was. Um, I was not sure. I put a lot of qualifiers in the book, but I was willing to give it a go and really to put my neck on the line with it because I, I wanted to find out how far we could take it. So I was really shocked by a lot of things. But one of them was just the fact that distance didn't matter. And also, we didn't have to send uh, a thought to the thing, only a representation of the thing. For instance, one of my seed experiments, which was done with the University of Arizona, Dr. Gary Schwartz, um, I ran this six times. And each time, the scientists would create four sets of seeds, A, B, C, D. We would randomly choose one set. Scientists wouldn't know which one we chose. They will have just sent us the photos of the seeds. And if I was giving a talk somewhere or with my audience over the Internet, I would run this experiment. So the first time I ran it, I was in Sydney, Australia, speaking before a group of about 700 people. And we sent intention to one of the target seeds that we'd chosen. And the scientists, we told them they were done. They planted the seeds they measured them five days later. And the seeds we sent intention to grew significantly higher than the controls. Now, just unpack this for a second, George. I'm not sending, and my audience aren't sending intention to the thing itself. We're sending intention to a photograph of the thing. Plus, we're in Sydney, Australia, and the seeds are in Tucson, Arizona, 8,000 miles away. So that gave me the idea that when we come together as a group, we create a kind of psychic internet, and that we can travel any kind of distance, and we can send something just to a symbol of the thing, and it'll still work. When uh, 
Hurricane Irma was picking up steam, uh, I did one of these intention experiments based on the things you've taught us. And oh. we used the audience. And, you know, I'm not going to say we did this, but it dropped from a Category 5 down to a 1, or it would have devastated Florida. Well, it's very interesting. You know, I think there's something to it. You know, we've done three experiments, four experiments on lowering violence in violent areas or war-torn areas. And every time the results have demonstrated, you know, a significant lowering. Now, as you say, it could be coincidence. But if you keep doing this over and over and over again, this starts getting very compelling. And there's certainly been many informal intention experiments I've run with people on weather. And some of my students have run on their weather, you know, trying to make more rain and things like that. But again, make for some sort of compelling story. And But what we've tried to do is to show it with working with a scientist at Penn State or uh, University of California or uh, University of Arizona and actually quantified it with controls and all of that in very robust scientific studies. What is it, Lynn? What is it out there that makes this happen, makes this work? <laughs> That's the $24,000 question, eh? Um, a lot of scientists are basically now saying that consciousness is a giant sea of energy, essentially. You know, it's what I call the field, and that we tap into this as individuals, and that as a collective, we tap in and essentially we amplify the power, and that what we're doing really is tuning in rather than projecting out. And so think about your brain as not being, and your mind and consciousness as not being locked inside your head, but as being something like a television station that beams out information to the universe and also pulls in information like a television set. And so perhaps we are just tapping into this giant collective consciousness. You know, it's not anything we know for sure, but we also know too from scientific studies that we're beings of light. We send out a very subtle current of light emissions called biophoton emissions. And it could well be that thoughts are another element of these little, this little current of light. We also know other living things are sending this light back. And so almost synchronicitously, so as though you're having a conversation of light. And we know we're beaming out 24-7. I mean, in many experiments I've demonstrated that all of our thoughts are beaming out there. And so when we focus them on something in particular... It may magnify the power. Listen to more Coast to Coast AM every weeknight at 1 a.m. Eastern and go to coasttocoastam.com for more.